before we start, we'd like to say a few words about some of the events, issues and conversations that have been developing over the past six months. Obviously, since our last episode, we've seen the spread of a global pandemic. We'll be talking a little bit about that in our next few episodes, though not so much from a health perspective. We'll leave that to the health experts. And we've also seen a series of distressing and horrific examples of racism, sparking global protests and conversations about the everyday experiences of black people, including birders, scientists, academics, grad students, and other people who are fascinated by animal behaviour but who might not have had the same opportunities as Farley and me. This is true not just for black Americans but people around the world, including the First Nations people of Australia. And while we want to acknowledge what's going on in the world, we don't think we're the right people to talk about these issues right now. Instead, we'd strongly encourage our small flock of listeners to take a bit of time to listen to some other podcasts that address these topics. So some that I've been listening to lately have included About Race with Rennie Edo-Lodge, Black Nature Narratives by Wild in the City, Full Story which is a podcast by The Guardian, have also had some good episodes on black deaths in custody in Australia. A couple of accounts worth following on Twitter, and I think they might be on Instagram as well, are The Hood Naturalist. Um, that's Karina Newsom. She's fantastic. Black AF in STEM, been bringing some, some great material, some great conversations. And there are many others. So also feel free to send us some of your recommendations. We hope you're all doing okay and take care of yourselves and each other. Hello and welcome to Animalia, the podcast all about animals and the weird and interesting things that they do. I'm Annie. I'm Farley. And I'm David. And this is our first episode where we've recorded from not in the same room. We're all recording from our own respective homes right now. Well, all of us, this is this is what being in a room with people is like now. It's having all your friends on one little tiny screen. It's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so this is our this is our COVID podcast, the only podcast we may do in COVID. Um, so if the quality is not the best, we are sorry. David will try to make it better. <laughs> new challenges for David. New new challenges. So in this podcast, we kind of wanted to just catch up and talk a little bit about what animals are doing in quarantine. And so for us, I think the three of us have had some pretty major changes, or sorry, one of us of the three of us has had a major change. I actually finished my PhD, which I'm pretty excited about. Congratulations. Thank you guys. Um, still have to wait a few months, but it's a start. Or it's a few months until I actually get confirmation that it's finished, but it's a start. An almost uh, doctor. It's Almost. that limbo. <laughs> yeah. Soon we'll have two doctors on this podcast, which I think is a good thing. We will seem a lot more professional for sure. We won't necessarily know more about what we're talking about, but we'll sound more authoritative. I thought there was something, if you become a doctor, you just begin to know things. It's kind of what I always assumed. I mean, I'm still waiting for that moment. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> And David, what have you been up to? Uh, not much has changed, really. You know, have Zoom meetings instead of 
real life yeah. meetings, right? Yeah. As a consultant, um, yeah, Zoom is half my day now. Um, yeah, pretty well versed in Zoom, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, it has been, I think, about six months, maybe more by the time this one comes out since our last episode. Wrapping You're up. not supposed to give those numbers, David. Like, just <laughs> let people figure that out for themselves. Okay. <laughs> They don't need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If they haven't noticed, we don't need to tell them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No one looks at dates on podcasts. Come on. We did the last one two weeks ago. We're really yeah. consistent. Well, but, this is the first time I have recorded a podcast with a cat on my lap, so that's new for me. Mm-hmm. Well, there we go. All, we're all doing exciting things, guys. This is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so what we wanted to talk about today was... I mean, it seems the latest catchphrase is the world has changed as we know it and the world has changed for animals as well. So we wanted to talk a bit about what some of those stories are, what some of those myths are and about what we have coming up in our next couple of episodes. So uh, here's a question for you, Annie. What People are kind of saying that animals are benefiting from this. Why or what is the reason that animals could potentially actually prefer a COVID world compared to a human or non-COVID world? I guess the idea is just less disturbance, right? You haven't got all these people in cars rushing around. You haven't got people traveling as much. Fewer ships, fewer planes, fewer, um, less noise pollution, which is something you know more about than me, Farley. Mm-hmm. Farley's PhD was on noise pollution. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's it's an interesting time where it's a lot of these things we're assuming and a lot of people are kind of making these guesses that more animals are around and that they're benefiting from this. But in reality, very little science has actually come out. And so it'll be interesting to see in the next few months or few years when the actual research comes out about what has actually been happening during COVID times. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing too that people are very acutely aware of right now too is research is slow. You don't... You don't discover something in a day and tell everyone about it tomorrow. This, the, a lot of the things that are happening right now we'll only really know about in six to 12 months when people have managed to collect their data and analyse it and send it to, out, out to other people for review and go through that process to have it published and shared and verified. Yeah, it is kind of funny. It's the, for at least some of my friends, it's been the first time they've realised the scientific process. Because when people are waiting around for this vaccine, it's like, why do we not have the vaccine already? Like, if we, we should just be able to make it. It's like, well, it's not really that simple. It's like, you got to wait a lot of time. It's like, things take longer in the science world than you think. Yeah, particularly in the med world as well. Sometimes you've got to really make sure that's, that's all good. Well, what are some of these stories that you guys have come across that you guys have enjoyed a lot during COVID that um, are animal related? Do you want to go first, David? Any stories to share? Yeah, sure. Um... There's one about, uh, well, in Adelaide, a city in South Australia, um, a kangaroo was caught on camera uh, hopping through the centre of the city, the CBD of Adelaide, which is strange in itself, really. Um, (laughs) We can see the streets are deserted, basically no humans around, and it's just a single kangaroo. So maybe, I think, for people not from Australia, they might say, you've got kangaroos everywhere. Anyway. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for us, yeah, that's that's quite unusual to see, really. 
because usually there's trams going past, there's buses, there's all, it's a very bustling area where that kangaroo, well, it, used, it usually is where that kangaroo was. Yeah, before you came here, Farley, what was your impression of the prevalence of kangaroos in Australia? So I thought they'd be way more prevalent. They, I mean, they're really close to Melbourne, so you can see them really close by, but I truly thought like you would see them in city parks. Yeah, okay. At least where I am, like a suburban park, I thought I would come across them more often than I do. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I really liked that footage. So it was captured by South Australian police, right? And yeah, people have had a lot of fun with adding, I think, uh, good background music and some good captions. I think some of the initial captions were along the lines of, you know, suspect seen wearing grey fur coat headed on foot towards... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's funny. I feel like that's the majority of stories that are coming out. It's people seeing animals in downtown city centers that they've never seen before. Because I know there's some other examples of like boars in Israel, some wild pig species coming in and being seen walking around a town in Israel. And also like there's dolphins in Istanbul who are seen for the first time in the harbor. So I think there are a lot of those stories of people, maybe these animals were never there before, or maybe we just didn't notice them because pre-COVID, we were all focused on other things, but it is funny how these stories are coming out of wild animals popping up in places they seemingly should not be. I think some of these images are so striking too because there is literally nothing else around. Yeah. Like this kangaroo hopping through Adelaide is just completely deserted. There's, I think there's one car, which, I mean, it's amazing. There's one car and one kangaroo and the car almost hits the kangaroo, which just <laughs> seems ridiculous. <laughs> Well, it's like that, that really goes with like the, the whole myth of kangaroos, though, how they jump into cars. Because I know that people have been hit by kangaroos and not actually hit kangaroos. Yes, that is a thing. Uh, we always like going into the quirky Australian animals. It's good. They're the funniest. Everybody loves a good Australian <laughs> animal story. I know. <laughs> um, Annie, how about you? Have you heard any cool stories? Uh, I think I think one of the ones I liked was the, the goats in that seaside town in Wales, mm. those um, the wild goats that came down from the hills. I think one of the reasons that one's so great is just because the photo is so brilliant. It just looks like a family of goats going window shopping down the middle of a street. Yeah, but then didn't that one also get tied into a bit of misinformation, though, David? Weren't you saying something about that? Uh, well, the quote that stood out for me was that someone said that the goats did come into the town sometimes if the weather was awful. So it's not like they're unfamiliar to the town. Um, they're actually quite popular, it sounds like, already, but now they're actually in the town itself. Yeah, so they come down into town sometimes, but right now they're coming down a bit more often than usual. Yeah. Well, so it's not like, oh, my God, goats. Yeah. We never see goats. <laughs> yeah. I, think it's, and I think that's kind of a nice thing about kind of this time right now is I feel like people are enjoying the little simple things that happen in their life on a daily basis. Like I know from like a, as a bird watcher, you can read a bunch of articles about people either taking part in bird watching for the first time or all of a sudden seeing some kind of bird they didn't notice was around. Even though if you ask an actual bird watcher, they're like, uh, yeah, they're always there. It's like birds are always there, but people are finally noticing them, which is kind of a nice bit of COVID where people are a bit more aware and taking a break from their phones and break from the bustling life of the city. We did actually have that conversation, Farley, I think, where I saw um, yellow-tailed black cockatoos in the park near my place. And I was like, Farley, I saw these birds here. And you're like, oh, yeah, they come every year. Yeah. Well, actually, I was told this. I was at 
Uh, I was at uh, the off my office in Parkville. So I'm one of the only people working there right now. And black cockatoos came over, and my boss was like, "Oh my god, you have to come out and see them, the yellow-tailed black cockatoos." I'm like, "I know, they're there. It's like that's really cool." <laughs> but he never he'd never seen them, and he's worked in that office for 12 years. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, it's funny. Do we want to go into some myths? I'd love to. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think the biggest one has been all the stuff about Venice and the Venice Venetian channels, right? Mm-hmm. So, there were a few tweets that went around. One about dolphins in the channels and some others about swans and fish. And none of them are true. <laughs> <laughs> the water is really clear in the channels. I mean, I don't think anyone's disputing that, but it's not that life is suddenly coming back there do you think it's people actually want to like to mess with people or is this genuine people thinking that they saw this is this like the new bigfoot so there's been some good follow-up on both both these tweets so the the one about the dolphins i don't think they were trying to be deceptive they but it was the way they phrased it so they said the water in the channels in venice is clearer and the dolphins have come back and what they were saying is the dolphins have come back to other places around Italy, um, oh. other ports, not into the actual channels. That's what they say anyway. Yeah, you, so, cannot, you cannot put those two things together and think that's Yeah, I know. Are. The images <laughs> are literally side by side. And the way the footage is shot, you can't tell that it's at a port. It looks like you're looking just straight down into the water of a channel. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll take them at their word that they weren't, weren't trying to be deceptive. The other one um, was someone was tweeted by someone not from Italy who had just seen a bunch of different things of information and put it all together into one tweet. So stuff about swans and fish and the channels being clear. So she put them put it all into one tweet and then was corrected and told that's not right. Those photos aren't taken in Venice. And her response was, oh, well, the water's still clear. <laughs> so the tweet's part true and I've just added some corrections later on and the tweet went absolutely viral and <laughs> it's the most popular tweet I've ever had so I don't really want to take it down feeling a bit weird about it but uh, I'm just going to leave it up oh it's so funny yeah so that, that that was kind of do you know I actually have my own I just forgot to remember this I have my own swan story about COVID-19 really yep there is a Facebook group for where we live right around Coburg Lake and there is a nesting pair of swans who are around pretty much all year round but they do spend some time apart and a uh, a post went up saying has anybody seen the female the males all alone and single single and Caitlin happened to be on it that day and about 50 replies came down describing the whole story of the long lost swans who they're making up this whole story. How he had one partner and that partner left him because a big storm came. And so he replaced the partner two years later and then he fell in love again and then they had babies, but then a storm came and killed those babies. And they just started describing these really elaborate tales of these two swans. And I just loved it because all I, I should have gotten on it and been like, you know, they migrate, right? They do move. It's like they, <laughs> they travel. <laughs> and they have no, yeah. re- there's no reason to believe like it could very well be different swans over the years. Um, other myths. So that's, we've talked about Venice. Um, were there other, other ones that you guys had? Well, the other myth was the, the bird watching. 
people yeah yeah there's been a lot of stories going around throughout the bird world of people saying for the first time that birds are here and that like in especially central park in new york people are like this is the most birds i've ever heard and every single bird watcher who knows central park knows it's like a haven for bird watching so it's just yep. very ironic that it's like no no they're there you just you guys have never listened before <laughs> could it be traffic as well if traffic's gone down you can hear them better i guess maybe but central park's a pretty dense dense park but i don't know I mean, maybe technically, yeah. I just yeah. think people I mean, are... I'm saying this with absolutely no knowledge of Central Park. I yeah. just have no pretty sense massive, of the scale of it. Pretty massive park. Yeah. As far as and, it's, go. and it's a known, it's a, it's a migratory, like, breeding hotspot. Like, it is a hotspot for bird watchers to go to because it's all these birds are trapped in a massive city and have nowhere else to go except for the one park in the middle. So it's like a guaranteed stopover for a lot of birds migrating either north to Canada or down to Florida. Nice. Yeah. Uh, other fake news? I think that's all there is for fake news. Yeah, those are the main ones. Oh, there was one about the elephants. Did you hear about that one? No. Um, so someone put out a tweet saying that... I've, I've got the tweet here, so I'll just read it out. While humans carry out social distancing, a group of 14 elephants broke into a village in Yunnan province looking for corn and other food. They ended up drinking 30 kilograms of corn wine and got so drunk they fell asleep in a nearby tea garden. Wait, what? <laughs> and there's a photo of just like all these sleeping elephants. Oh, that's fantastic. Anyway, total myth. Um, I think as far as anyone knows, like, yeah, elephants do go there, but that's not new. And the thing about the corn wine and the getting drunk and falling asleep in the tea garden is just like, never know, no one even knows where they where that came from well i know where it came from that person's hilarious that's, that's so i mean yeah that's, it's a i mean who even thinks of that that's a I genius i want to read their fiction like <laughs> write a novel please seriously it's it almost, yeah it's just 14 i love how it's 14 too like what a number just like 14 <laughs> drunk like a little gang of gang of drunk elephants hanging out together yeah oh, i love photos that. are pretty cute as well the, do they actually show drunk elephants what does a drunk elephant I mean, look the, like I mean, the, uh, there's elephants standing up and then there's elephants lying down. That's sort of the, <laughs> <laughs> the gist of it. Do they show some like babies like stepping up when they're kind of wobbly? Because they should have added gifts of that. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. Just like wobbly, wobbly. Yeah. I think one of the one of the stories we did leave out, I think that ha is worth mentioning as well, is the zoo stuff. So all the stuff that's come out of zoos as well in the animals visiting yeah. other animals. Because I think that may be my favorite bit of COVID-19 stuff is zookeepers taking things like penguins and sea, sea lions and I think even elephants to go and visit other animals throughout the zoo and the aquarium. And I just love the images so much. Yeah. With some of those, I do wonder a bit how the animals feel about it. Like whether it's just like a very confusing, overwhelming experience. <laughs> and I like for penguins, I feel like they're probably not thinking too much about it because they're penguins. But you they're wonder like an elephant. Yeah. Like what, what they're thinking when they see a sea lion. <laughs> yeah, two two animals that would never meet in the wild as well. Yeah. I've never thought about that way, I guess. Like, yeah, in zoos, all these animals, yeah, naturally they wouldn't come across each other. Mm. Now they're in close proximity. Um, with the penguins as well, um, one place took theirs to an art gallery for some reason. <laughs> yeah, and there's these articles claiming on what the penguins were into and what they weren't into, which... <laughs> What was their preferred artists? Oh, my um, God. People have so much fun. Also, I, for a moment there, I was sure you said pangolins, David. 
And like, I don't know which image I like better. <laughs> I like the penguins better. I think we need to keep the, <laughs> the penguins should remain in the wild. <laughs> yes, no, that is true. That is true. Although penguins are very cute as well. So, On a personal note, I decided it'd be a good time to foster a cat. And then I discovered that everyone else had the same idea. And there was not a single place in Melbourne that um, was accepting applications to foster right now. So, yeah. Wow. I mean, that's nice. I think that's good. People, um, I think particularly fostering, because it is a temporary thing and so it does mean that, you know, when people do start going back to work and that kind of thing, it's not that they have this animal now that they can't take care of anymore. So. Yes, the fostering thing I think is wonderful. I think that the owning, just because you're in quarantine, is going to be very interesting. Again, a long-term study of what happens to impulse yeah. purchases. Yeah, getting a dog is a 10 to 15 year commitment. So. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Well, my favorite was in the States, it was people buying chickens. Because when it what? first hit, when quarantine was first announced, everybody bought chickens. And it's this huge thing where people were buying chicks. And I have multiple friends, we'll call them Instagram friends, who bought chickens. Thinking that this is like, this is great. We're going to need eggs. The world's going to run out of eggs. So we need our own chickens. And so I have many friends who now just have chickens. <laughs> and I know that there was a mass purchase of them in the U.S. at one point. So I'm so curious, like, what's, what's going on with all these chickens? Like, they're really cute as babies. But, like, where are those things now? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Huh. People are weird. People really <laughs> freaked out. <laughs> yeah. I like to think that for a lot of people who are getting animals right now, though, it's just because it's a good time to settle an animal in. Like if you're getting a puppy or a kitten or something, then it's a good time to, because you're around and you can help them settle in when they're in that, you know, early phase. Oh, I, I would, I'm still, I still think we may end up with a dog in the next two weeks. I think I think we're probably about ready to wrap it up, hey? So yeah. This was just this is just a general overview of some of the stuff that's going on. And next up, do you want to talk about what we've got next up, Farley? Yeah. So the kind of the main purpose of this was to also introduce our next two episodes, where we want to dive a little bit deeper into COVID and quarantine and what that has done to wildlife. And we're going to take a little bit more of a scientific approach to it instead of just fun stories off of New York Times and whatever websites. But I think it's uh, we want to take a little bit closer look and look at the specific things that could be benefiting animals and also the things that could be negative towards animals. Yeah. So the good news and the bad news. And we're putting them in separate episodes. Yeah. So expect those to be our next two podcasts, uh, the good one and the bad one. And we're going to talk all about how wildlife is reacting and affected by COVID-19. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm too. Looking forward to doing this more regularly. Not, not, oh, don't say that. Not don't six, say not, that. You not, jinx it every time. Not, not, six, not six months apart like David so so <laughs> thoughtfully mentioned in the beginning. <laughs> Farley was finishing his thesis. We've got an excuse. <laughs> well, thank you guys all for listening. And tune in soon for our COVID good and bad episodes. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Animalia Podcast is hosted by Annie Orsbrook and Farley Connolly, with occasional interjections by me, the sound engineer David Roker. Our logo is designed by Osvaldo Branklin-Yon, and all original music is by Sean Pratt.